And welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... One-Eyed Jacks, directed by Marlon Brando. We have Rango by Gore Verbinski. We have newly released Sound of Freedom by Alejandro Monteverde. Talk to Me by Danny Filippo and Michael Filippo. And finally, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, directed by Jeff Rowe and Kyler Spears. It's going to be a great show, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Tommy boy, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay for me. How was your past? How was your past two weeks? Uh, past two weeks. How I, you been? Uh, movies on the road. Uh, <laughs> last year we did a lot of a lot of action TV movies. We did ambulance, oh, ambulance, yeah, ambulance, <laughs> ambulance. Uh, so this one was a lot more structured around new movies. So uh, briefly, I thought maybe of doing all the Ninja Turtle movies. There's the three original one there. <laughs> suits and then there's the two equally awful michael bay ones and mainly it was the michael bay that was driving that idea i think it's so. i think it's okay that you didn't do that yeah. i think that you have enough this year you got to worry about when it comes to uh franchises. franchises yeah exactly uh but no we have three new movies i was talk to me was not on my radar at all mm-hmm. so i'm excited to hear about that oh yeah and then of course we have sound of freedom which has been out for a while but mm-hmm. continuing to have long legs <laughs> it's officially too big to ignore <laughs> it is too big to ignore and it's continuing it's just like it's still doing better it got knocked off in the top five of box right, office right but it's still right there it's number six it's better it's doing better than mission possible wow Poor Mission Impossible. Poor Cruise. Yeah, uh, I think a Left on the Chopping Block or the Back Burner is going to be Meg 2. Um, the first one is rated folks on the site and uh, maybe not absolute garbage, but not great. <laughs> and uh, also didn't get to Haunted Mansion because uh, honestly, I, I just kind of figured no one would care about a, a second failed reboot of a Disney ride IP. Folks at home, if, you, if you're really dying for Meg 2 or Haunted Mansion, I guess, you know, Meg 2's doing well. Really? I think they really tried trying to get big in the Chinese box office. Mm, yes. Because even the first one, which you rated, it's on yes. the site. Yep, yep. Heavily uh, Chinese produced. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of like a, it's a big split. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to be more of a worldwide type thing. And usually like kind of mindless blockbusters like that will do better just because there's no language barrier or anything like that. Uh, it's why we see uh, The Fast and Furious. <laughs> yeah. Of, kind of do better. Huge Asian. Yeah, yeah, very big Asian when it comes to the Asian box office. Right, Or right. Asian Pacific, I should say, yeah. The way they break it down and everything. Yeah. So, okay, um, I like this week. We're going to start with our West. Are we going to continue Western Week in August? At least one more week. Oh, good. One more week I got. Yes. Because <laughs> I did. I watched one, which I think we're going to do. Yep. Oh. I think, I, I think we're going to do it. Okay, okay. 
Yeah, I watched two this week. I'll let everybody know. I watched uh, Rango and Sound of Freedom. Oh, excellent. Which back we'll to do back. together. So yeah, I did yeah. not see our first one on the list here. We're going to go back to 1961. This is starring and directing uh, Marlon Brando uh, with one Eye Jacks, Vin. <laughs> and let's get into it. I think this had good... Did you get this from my list I sent you? I, I think so, yeah. This wasn't really on my radar. Yeah, this uh, had some good reviews, and it's mm-hmm. Marlon Brando, and he's directing. All right. It's his only film he directed. Yeah, so, so I think it's good to be that we're covering it. Yeah. But it's 61. What do we get with One Eye Jacks? Well, I can say it was good that you didn't watch this one. <laughs> <laughs> because One Eye Jacks was, was not the best. It wasn't bad by any means. Um, this is our first Marlon Brando film on the podcast, and... Uh, like I said a moment ago, folks, totally an anomaly in that it's his first and only time directing a film. Uh, we touched on it a few times over the course of the podcast, uh, most recently with Insidious Red Door. Does the juggling act of acting and directing kill a movie? I, I personally don't think that's the case here with One Eye Jacks, but certainly it feels like a vanity project for Marlon. He's got a very... Very big wardrobe, a lot of romantic scenes, uh, and so much so I'm kind of walking away with this that it's less of a Western and more of a Tex-themes romance drama. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, it's Tex-Mex romance drama, basically. One-Eyed Jacks is about outlaws tangled in crimes south of the border, but unlike so many Westerns we've covered on the podcast so far, it takes place in the prime of 1880. Marlon Brando plays Rio, a smooth-talking bandit and certainly a drifter, but always seems to make it out on top. What's what's odd about this is we barely see any action in the film. The crimes, the bank heist, uh, his 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 fellow outlaw crew, we don't really see it happen. We just kind of see him showing up in a new outfit and say, "Oh, well, I guess he was successful because he's he's dressed to the nines in this <laughs> in this western town." Uh, in the opening sequence, we do see him knock over a bank with his partner, Dad Longworth. Talk <laughs> about a top ten name, Dad Longworth. <laughs> Uh, played by Carl Malden, but one has, um, <laughs> but one of them has to take the money, and the other has to take the fall. Brando nobly tells him to go on, and five years later finds himself out of jail on the hunt, and uh, suspiciously finding his partner in a va- vastly different circumstances. This, the shame of it is that that first bank heist. Is really cool. Shot well, huh? Yeah, it's just Brando. I don't know. He's 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 the most evil he is in the in that moment in that opening sequence. Uh, this this woman doesn't hand over some rings. Uh, you know, he's he's cleaning cleaning the purses basically. He, she doesn't hand over rings, and he's just so like ice cold cool. With he he puts the one ring in his mouth. He goes, "You got anything else?" And it's just like <laughs> it, it, it's just so great. And it's it's a shame that we don't see more crime in this. I mean, this is, again, night and day with uh, The Wild Bunch, night and day even with Butch Cassidy, even though this is coming out in 61, right? Yeah, I think? 61. Yeah. And would you say that he's kind of, he's, he's his persona that he comes off with, with that bank heist, a little mm-hmm. bit of man with no name? Oh, for sure. Can be cool guy, kind of quiet, can mm-hmm. be put in a position where he looks good, but also looks bad. Absolutely. Like a bad guy. Absolutely. Yeah. And maybe that was the concern. Um, uh, obviously... You know, Brando is a name that people might, audiences of the time, might be react very, you know, negatively to seeing an icon on screen be a bad guy. How you know? much of an icon is he in 61? 
Um, seeing that it's pretty, I mean, he's it's got pr- on, to, on the waterfront, so I oh, mean, yeah, it's, okay. it's it's Brando. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is obviously before Godfather and everything like that, but yeah, uh, I would say also his swagger, uh, I mean, it's, it's 100% yeah. Marlon Brando. I mean, he doesn't <laughs> hold back at all, directing or not. What's interesting, folks, is this film plays out slightly like Cape Fear, uh, where Brando mm-hmm. is naturally jealous of what he's missed out on in jail. Uh, it's interesting then that we see the original Cape Fear come out a year later in 62, uh, but there was a, a missed opportunity here. I'm not going to knock a film for what it's not or what it doesn't try to be, but this element of how he preys on his partner uh, could have been really dialed up and could have been a lot better, but it ultimately boils down to, again, a romance drama with a little bit of hot sauce on it. That's a little bit of Tex-Mex. Yeah. <laughs> a little enchilada, I guess. It's not, it's not true Western. It's, you know, it's a, it's a mix. <laughs> uh, Brando's acting, uh, I'll be honest, sometimes good, sometimes a bit corny and cartoony. Um, I could see that. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if it's the Western setting. I think he has acted in other Westerns, but I'll be honest here and say that um, I, I really only know his later career. Mainly his Western accent accent drifts in and out of being good, um, at least in my opinion. Mm. There are a abundance of romantic scenes, which I can't tell if uh, Brando is recognizing his own natural talents as a very handsome man, or letting his ego get in the way of the production. Uh, and best of all is that wardrobe. I mean, it is excessive. It's that much. He walks into a bar, and this is just after escaping jail after that five-year period. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> in 1880. First, right, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he walks in with the most vibrant scarlet red poncho. I mean, it looks like if they made an anime out of a Clint Eastwood western. <laughs> like that is how vibrant is this cool? man is. Is it cool? Is it like stylish? Like is it I, I think it, it comes off cartoony. That okay. could be good in ways. I feel like it's more silly than anything because yeah. everyone else is dressed normally in this south of the border town, you know. <laughs> Uh, and, and no less in kind of like a a, a, a circling poverty. You know, he walks right. <laughs> in, should probably be poor, at least, a little, at least a little rough as well as a criminal. And he's just like, man, he is decked to the nine. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> a cool wardrobe, just, I don't know, out of place, just out like place, that accent. Pl- yeah. I feel like Brando is such a character in himself that... I don't know. I, I think if I had to really dissect my own feelings on it, uh, that's where I'm feeling it's silly at times. It's like, oh, man, he doesn't even need to be in a Western. He doesn't belong yeah, here. Yeah. So uh, We also see some familiar faces from High Noon from a few episodes ago. Kitty Gerardo uh, plays Longworth's wife. And, of course, uh, Carl Malden playing Longworth is a reunion for Brando uh, from the 1954 classic On the Waterfront. So possibly this uh, has a, a soft recommendation from me for some a little bit of film history in addition to being the huge anomaly of Brando's only film he's directed. Right, yeah. Um, and the only thing I would say I regret, just because of the time constraints on this week and, and, and doing a juggling act of being away, folks, is that I don't really know the story of why he did this one film. Was it studio pressure? Was it money? Was it a vanity project at worst? And, and to my suspicions. <laughs> that's a good question. Right. That, that's a very good question. Yeah. Because really, if you think about it, why didn't he direct more? That's so true. After Godfather. Right. He could do whatever he wants. Oh, absolutely. He could do totally whatever he wants. Absolutely. 
and, and Brando, of course, is infamous in his later career for being a diva on set. We have the the Oscar moment. We have maybe he uh, just wanted to be cool in a western. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. wanted to be cool. Yeah, and boy, and is, that, he's given a lot of time to be cool. Almost, almost too cool. But uh, <laughs> folks, I, I hate to say it, but the film is a little boring. If I'm being honest, and you know, I don't really like throwing out the the B word. This might be around crime and might have escaped the 1950s in its style, but Brando's depiction is way cleaner than it should be. And this plays into my critiques of we don't really see his crimes. We don't see the action. He's principled. He's even slightly heroic, um, which I think creates a predictable tone more than anything. Every time the film tries to make him live up to this criminal background, it's either cut by romance or him acting like a straight-up hero. Mm. He beats up uh, he beats up criminals in in, in a bar uh, that are like harassing a woman. And it's just like, all right, a badass moment for him. Not characteristic to what this what real what we saw in the beginning real, with the yeah yeah. So they're trying to play him way too much as a great character. Mm-hmm. Only he's really really good at times, right? And, it, <laughs> and I think it, this could be one way uh, in one of two ways. I think maybe in the writers' room they say, oh, we can't make him be a bad guy, and that just be mm. how they treated icons back in the day. Well, Western's um, back in the day for sure. Sure. Like, you, I'm, you, I'm thinking like a John Wayne type of thing that you, you yeah. know, John Wayne, Wayne is very rarely put in any kind of negative light. He's right. always the hero. I don't know if they felt the same for, for, for Brando. And on top of that as well, at worst, I think it's a, it's a vanity move that he just wants to be every type like. of character. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he wants to be bad. He wants to be good. You know, he gets it all. So uh, I understand uh, Brando is an icon and, and, and people don't want to see that dirtied up, but uh, I think it was just a wrong direction for the story. Um, and like I said, folks, I'll give this a soft recommendation for supporting acting performances and overall a competent production, a little bit of film history as well but i was not thrilled with this and unless you absolutely love brando this barely hits as a western and more of a romance drama with tech stylings we're going to go ahead and give one-eyed jacks from 1961 a 56 okay 56 yeah all right so in, in the- it ticked above a 50s <laughs> right, uh, you know right. I will say, it's not a quick watch if you want to watch. Two, hour, <laughs> two hours and 21 minutes. For real. Uh, so to not have a lot of action in there, I can only imagine how much it dragged. Yeah, and, and that's where I'll lean into the romance. And and certainly, uh, lovers of Brando. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, the, 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 when, when the Daily Ratings is playing in the senior home or something, <laughs> <laughs> they might want that romance side. You know, even going back to On the Waterfront. You know, the, he is yeah, a, yeah. equally a, a romance icon for that reason. It's still a long movie. Still, two, <laughs> still 221. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's move on. This one's only an hour and 47. We're going to keep it going. This is 2011's. This is uh, the animated Rango, mm-hmm. starting, starring Johnny Depp. And then the director, Gore Verbinski, did a lot of the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. So, you know, they're a team mm-hmm. for sure. This movie, I felt, came and went. I think it was slightly financially successful, mm-hmm. uh, but it wasn't talked about too much, I don't think, when it was coming out. Yeah, definitely got brushed under the rug uh, a little bit, 2011. So, like I said, I watched it. I think I just, if you're. An animated kids' movie, and you're going to make it a western. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm not so sure that it hits, but let's get into it a little bit. Vin, how did you like Rango? I liked Rango quite a bit, just because of wow. I, I, I absolutely agree. As a kids' movie, as a family comedy, I don't think it works. As a 
fun amalgamation of so many Western tropes in like this this, right. this Animal Kingdom vibe. I think it told a good Western story. So, it, folks, if I can help with an assistance of watching this and a recommendation, if you do watch this, try to drop some of those family comedy uh, labels to this. It certainly is that, but see it alongside of why we're including in this week, in this week for a Western reason. You know? Yeah. I mean, I loved it. It felt pretty family-ish too, as well. Mm-hmm. A family could watch it and enjoy it together. Sure. Um, I just don't know if a kid would be really busting up where I appreciated, you know, callbacks to so many Westerns, callbacks to Clint Eastwood, callbacks to Western tropes, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. I think, honestly, I I felt that this film, I did not really, really like it. Oh, really? And I I felt like it fell flat a little bit. Interesting. For for kids as well, I think. Mm -hmm. I I liked the plot and the, you know, relatively the short line synopsis of the film. Mm -hmm. I kind of like it in execution. I just think it was done kind of, Poorly, and I'll bring it out. I'll bring the B word out again. <laughs> uh, I found the whole thing to be a little bit boring as well. Right. So for that aspect, I love the idea of animated Western kid that mm-hmm. adult to, could totally connect with. Yeah. I def- I just think it lacked punch. It lacked uh, not enough funny, not enough mm. going on. It was there's too many slow bits for an hour and forty seven. Yep. That wasn't enough to grab a kid. Mm-hmm. The only reason why I was hanging on a little bit was just because of those Western tropes. A little yeah. bit something I can get behind. Yeah. Uh, I thought it fell flat a little bit though. Sure. Sure. And uh, and not. Like really knee slapping funny for a kid as well to be attracted to. Nothing, nothing was exactly, exactly. If anything, all the comedy was more cute, and you know, again, that is how the film is labeling itself. Certainly, that's how uh, you know it was marketed. So that, that's an important point. Gore Verbinski is a name I was excited to see uh, last year's two thousand. Uh, last year we covered two thousand two's The Ring uh, as a great watch, um, and largely Verbinski's work in adapting the original is what I praise there. Uh, uh, this is an animated family movie, so a little bit different than The Ring. <laughs> <A> big jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he continues his longtime partnership, as you said, Tom, with Johnny Depp, um, especially coming off of the Pirates movies, and then even after this with, uh, I think, Lone Ranger. Oh, he does Lone Ranger. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. So he was, he was in a flops. Western mood. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Uh, honestly, I was pairing it this week in addition to the Western spotlights because we get to cover a Western while also covering a Nickelodeon film alongside of the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so... Um, oh, is that yeah. Nickelodeon too? Yeah, partly produced. Absolutely, ah, man. I, I think just... Nickelodeon owns the full license on TMNT. Okay, okay. Yeah, so. I, I, yeah, I was happy to see Nickelodeon as well. Mm-hmm. Even I made a note of that, and it's just that. What What about it was? That made you say, I really enjoyed it. I think uh, the visuals specifically. The animation, I'll give you that. I, I really appreciated the fidelity uh, of the CGI. I really appreciated, um, and, and I'll go into that a little bit. Okay, all right. But when it comes down to it, I mean, I was appreciating this as an animated movie more so than even a family and a Western movie. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and I think there's stuff to love for really Western fans. You know, I, I don't want to give it away, but. The fact that we get some shout outs to specific Western stars in this. I know, and it's Tim Lee, Tim, my boy. Yeah, yeah, it's, Timmy it's Oliphant. Yeah. It's like, I should love, I feel like I should love this film. Yeah. But I get it, I can't get away from an execution. It being a little bit flat or, yeah, just not very exciting. Mm, true, true. Uh, there were some slow moments, I thought. And again, for an hour and 47, I just think it, there could have been more punch and more bang mm-hmm. there. Yeah, um, absolutely. But that, that's, that's pretty much what I got there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, as far as our, our, our rundown here, Rango is about a squirmy pet chameleon with big dreams of being a star from his comfy cage. Beyond his worst nightmare, though, he is thrusted into the desert wilderness 
with all the attention he wanted from a Wild West fantasy town. There are all walks of animal life here, so when Rango is introduced to the food chain, not only does he shake things up, he brings in new threats to the town. Uh, I would say this movie is so inventive in its animation of miniaturizing the world around them. The set pieces that revolve around small, everyday objects I thought were wonderfully creative. Um, it creates like a Toy Story vibe. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, or, or even even just something like from, from the video game space, like something like Pikmin, where the shrunken world plays to a vi- visual mm, comedy. Mm-hmm. The outhouse being a Pepto-Bismol uh, <laughs> bottle, the bank vault being a water jug. I really love the scene as well where Rango climbs into the Coke bottle uh, and I just thought that was a, a fun action sequence right in the beginning. Uh, I would say this has a, a pretty sharp script for a kid's movie, almost maybe too sharp, and that's where we lose some of that comedy or just raw funniness that would be needed for yeah. this to be a real big hit, yep. no less for a Nickelodeon space. But I would say the visual comedy that comes from this, I personally really appreciate it. I, uh, I think that's where I'm coming from for the whole thing. The attention to detail, whether it be Western tropes, animation, the quality of the whole production that's what i was appreciating about yeah and i'll I'll totally nod my hat to that too animation was good rango rango looks great yeah the character and a lot of the other characters too the detail and the style of animation i think was really worked for Mm -hmm. this film because the vibrancy yeah the the, the contrast of the desert and the clothes and absolutely and stuff so that looked really good in the sand and the sun Mm -hmm. so i I totally give full props for that Mm -hmm. and it did look i mean from the get-go the film does look good even it's it's still after you know that that's that was gonna be my point i mean uh, i think uh, the attention to detail of this has the potential to, I don't want to say timeless, but be a little bit, you know, future-proof a little bit yeah. going back into this. I thought this looked uh, much better than even some animated projects uh, coming out this year. And, and really, it's that quality, I think, that looks gorgeous. Uh, I, I, I wrote here, 2011 hasn't touched this film at all. Maybe that's a little bit much. <laughs> I think it has maybe touched it slightly, but I largely think it is owed to lighting around the scenes. The sun is so harsh yeah. in every scene. Shadows turn to be perfectly black. The contrast of everything, fur effects uh, of the various animals takes probably second place after that, from reptilian skin to clothing texture to something I was appreciating were the eye moisture. It was it was the mm. toad character, and he had such wild eyes. And the eye moisture of it is just like, wow, that just looks so good. Yeah, it did. It did look really good. Yeah. Uh, And, and, uh, you know, am am I going to be in the minority there as just a lover of animation? Sure. I don't know if if, uh, the average viewer is really going to appreciate or see that as the main Uh, highlight of the film. It adds to. No, it adds, though. Yeah. That that adds to an enjoyment of a film. Sure. Especially when you have this, because you're just naturally, with how you're setting... The setting takes place in the desert, mm-hmm. and so just the contrast you can work out. Yeah. It is. It's pretty to look at. Yeah. And I think, again, that that visual piece, the attention to detail, the fun visual comedy of these uh, shrunken world, we'll yeah. call it. That's where I was really digging, um, uh, you know, the world building of this and, and how this played into a Western story. I wouldn't call this a star-studded cast, but we do have a solid backing for the many Western stereotypes personified by these animals. And it's through the supporting cast, this film, I think, becomes a true Western and not just a family film. Yes, it's a family film and and captures 
you know, uh, the, the family-friendly attitude, uh, you know, no one's really dying from bullet wounds or anything like that, or, or dysentery, or any, any scary things that actually come with the frontier, uh, but it captures such a perfect mix of three decades worth of film culture, and mm. has its chance to pick the best of it, has its chance to pick from High Noon, has its chance to pick from, you know, the Dollars Trilogy, has its chance to pick from John Wayne. And do you, th- do you think that it hit all that much? I, I, maybe it was my mindset coming into this and, and seeing, you know, I was already in Western mode. Mm, yeah. So to see so much of like boiled down Western put through this family <laughs> film, I, I was digging it. Okay. For that All right. That's fair. I, I think it could be fun for that reason for a Western fan, but I completely recognize where it doesn't necessarily work for, you know, your, your family friendly crowd. I was surprised it. how slow it was. Yeah. I, I will say when 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 it got, got into some of the more chases, we have the chase with the uh, the mole family, right? Yeah, it, that good or bad? You think was that enough to maybe amp things up a little bit more? Yeah, that scene. Yeah, that scene made sense, mm-hmm. and like I felt like I've seen that scene multiple times on the western. Mad to, Max. To, to your point. Oh, okay. <laughs> read my mind. Oh, read there my we mind. go. It's two way street. I I <laughs> I can't believe you said yes. It was Mad Max yeah. to the point where I was thinking they should have just made this Mad Max. <laughs> this, this. Um, I had no problem with that scene because that was more electric. Yeah, yeah. Everything else, to your point, the high noon situation mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know. I felt like every other, literally every other scene mm-hmm. was like, eh, okay, sure. And sure. that's just how I felt walking away. That in particular, you could tell they put a lot of effort in that. A lot mm. of inter- like that probably took oh, the most yeah. time. Storyboarding of just that concept. Of Everything it. about that scene, yeah. no problem there. And it was Mad Maxy for sure. I mean, straight up, some of the things. <laughs> We're exactly Mad Max. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but I will say the part with the man in the West or the spirit of the West, mm-hmm. that whole thing, I'm just like, man, this is, you're losing kids right now. You're oh, losing sure. me right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think that speaks volume, though, because if there's anyone that could appreciate these Western tropes, I was expecting to be you. It wasn't uh, funny enough. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't funny enough either. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, even, you know, the fish out of water stuff that we always talk about. Yep. You have this guy shouldn't be here. He's here, could take up a new identity. That's yep. great. The amount of more, so many more jokes that you could have. Yep. And you kind of just get right into it and again. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, like I've been saying, folks, uh, I think the best thing you can do before watching this is dropping some of the labels. Forget that family comedy angle uh, and, and just see it as a Western. Uh, I don't know if this is particularly great for kids, but mostly because it, it's just, I, I'm agreeing with you, it, it, it's boring at parts. And I think boring for kids specifically. Big time, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to give props to Nickelodeon to just funding a random IP. I mean, this isn't connected to anything, you know. That Which is done. so cool. That's what I said. I should love this movie. Right, right. And, I, and I, it, it has so much going for it for a great Tommy Two Shoes right. in execution. It's, it's, it's Maybe I'm just more disappointment. <laughs> sure, sure. You know what I mean? That's got me bummed out I on it. I feel you. I feel you. And I think that that's, that's, that's a good perspective because um, I think there was definitely something missing for me even with all uh, my appreciation of the animation side. Sure, yeah, and, yeah. And, and the aesthetics of it. So uh, instead, I would say, though, this this works as an animated film uh, with this fantasy western setting. Uh, I would say most of all these themes of surviving on the frontier paired with this animal food chain tells a better western than most and honestly better western than at least what Brando could pump out. (laughs) So I think this one was worth your time. Be warned, it's probably an adult animated film uh, despite having that family comedy angle. We're going to go ahead and give Rango 2011 a 70 what? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I was there. I, uh, now I'm curious. You've got to give a Tommy Two Shoes on this. So I was going back and forth. I don't know if I wanted to or not. Yeah. First of all, I find this. Do you remember what you gave Puss in Boots? 
Oof. 72. No way. Oh, and Puss and Boots was better. <laughs> See, but this is that comparison. It can't be a comparison. I love doing it to you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I thought Puss and Boots was better, and that was even – had, like, even – that had Western – Sure. Yeah, uh, that was dressings. Absolutely. As we say, uh, window dressings. Yep. Yep. It had it had Western window dressings. Definitely, this was straight straight Western, which was so cool. I mm-hmm. wish somebody else picked Nickelodeon. Do another one if you want. <laughs> right. Make a Rango two even. Yeah. Rango yep. two could be better than this one, in my opinion. <laughs> it gets one shoe, one lace, mm-hmm. but not another shoe. I don't know what that means. I was really going back and forth on it. I'm glad. I'm glad we're on a little bit of opposite sides of the fences on this. Yeah. Too. I will say, based when my tune got changed, mm-hmm. uh, was during that. Big scene, the big Mac Mac scene, and mm. I was like, "Okay, production value. Yeah, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. This is actually good." And I think that attention to detail, it's there in the whole movie. It just may not be gripping. Yeah, per se, I'm, so. I'm definitely closer to your 56, probably on One Eye Jacks or something like that. 52 ish. Okay. okay, like right, right above a 50 mark. <laughs> if I were to put it in Vince's terms, <laughs> in Vince's terms, in shoe world, it's, it's <laughs> a tough place to be sometimes. Man. <laughs> Sometimes they're not restocking the shelves. You don't know what labels belong where. <laughs> I can't believe you gave it 72. Yeah. If I literally just went on uh, the Daily Rating site and looked up Puss Boots, and I'm like, there's no way he's going to give it 72. <laughs> not a chance in hell he's giving it 72. I'm glad do, you liked it, though. I have to uh, say. Yeah. And I, I do feel strongly enough about the, again, this, this uh, quality and the attention to detail of the animation itself. I mean... I just, I, I don't know. I, I think I was impressed with how good this thing looks from 2011 and how in even just a few years after it, CGI is really getting hurt uh, in, mm, in yeah. the superhero space, in, in every space, basically. So, I want Nickelodeon to do more. Yeah. When it comes to animated stuff. Well, Because you're so right. This the... was a totally different, just like, oh, you're just making a genre, not connected right. to any IP. Right. I do like it. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I said Rango 2. I'm excited. I would do Rango 2. <laughs> sure, sure. Because I think they would just keep on going with what works. Yeah. How it ends. You can do so much more now. Absolutely. Anyway, okay. With that, 72. Very good, Vin. Love that. I love that we covered Rango during uh, Western yeah, Week. Yeah, absolutely. Or Western Month. Folks, before we get to our new release uh, films there, we just want to remind everybody, we're going off the value for value model here. So if you're new to the podcast, how it works is Vin and I sit down every week. We host this podcast. We're the hosts of it. We got the stuff going on on the website as a companion piece. We do the newsletter every week. But the thing is... You can produce it. You can help keep this project going, the daily ratings going. To become a producer, you go to thedailyratings.com, go to the donations tab, and through your monetary support, you become a producer of the daily ratings. Mm -hmm. And also, you're showing us what value you're getting. The idea is that, sure, we have a weekly subscription. We have different monthly subscriptions if you're used to kind of that Patreon model. Mm. But the idea is if you want to give a random amount, whether it's $100 or $101.02 or something <laughs> like that, whether it's $3.40, whatever whatever value you're getting. Did we make you laugh this week? Are we helping you out with movie lists of your own? Are you into film more than what you were a year ago or before you started listening? That's value in your pocket. We're asking some value back in our pocket. So dailyratings.com, you go to the donations tab. Hey, if you're a fan of podcasting 2.0 you're on podverse or you have the strike gap or something like that uh we do take satoshis you can hit us up there we're at the daily re- ratings on venmo you can do it there the point is we're trying to be as accessible as possible we hope you all enjoying it uh the newsletter is great a couple people just signed up this past week as well you go down to the bottom of the website put your information in and you're good to go you got the newsletter every tuesday morning there's always some goodies in there we're not trying to pitch extra products to you or anything like that mm-hmm. it's just a fun little thing every week uh for your weekly 
movie news, your local box office, yada, yada. Uh, it's a good time. Again, it's DailyRings.com. We thank you so much. Don't forget, a hundred on the hundy as we are rounding our corner. This is episode 95, Vin. Wow. Can you believe it? Unreal. We are approaching Unreal. 500 films uh, that we have audio to. We have mm-hmm. even more on the site. So mm-hmm. just don't forget uh, to go to DailyRings.com and browse around. There's Absolutely. a lot of films we, there we, haven't, site. we haven't covered on the podcast. We, we put a lot of work in that website. <laughs> so we did continue to put a lot of work. There's still a lot of catch-up I got to do. <laughs> Um, and Vince crushing it on the social media apps. We always yes. we have some great fun clips. We're like on Twitter, but we're also on Instagram yep. and uh, TikTok, YouTube. We got shorts and everything like that. Yeah, uh, just fun little videos. It's great stuff. Some of our content and it's audio too and visuals and stuff. Absolutely, it's just uh, fun. We're trying to have a bunch of different products as much time as we can, which we're running. <laughs> we're physically running out of time in the week. <laughs> There's too many plates in the air to do things. <laughs> we hope you're all enjoying it. We hope you're getting value for it. Can Absolutely. you send us some value back? And if not, if you don't want to give any money, if you don't have any to give, that's why we, you know, that's why we don't have paywalls or anything mm, like that. Very true. Go and tell somebody about it. That's producing too, uh, especially as we're rounding the corner. We're almost at episode 100. We're growing, growing slowly. Uh, anybody going out there, kind of getting us in the conversation, we appreciate it so, so much. All right, Vin. So with that, let's keep things going. Uh, we're going to cover Sound of Freedom first, we'll do? I think so. it's been out kind of the yep. longest? Okay, Absolutely. so this new film, Sound of Freedom, directed by Alejandro Monteverde. It was picked up by Angel Studios, which has done The Chosen, the show, definitely faith-based mm. uh, studio. Right, right. Uh, but the only thing, uh, what my understanding is this film has been sitting on the shelf for almost like five years. Wow. Disney passed, the, the ironic thing of Disney passing on it is it would have been way more money than the majority of the past 10 films that Disney has come out with. <laughs> yeah, talk about it. Like, yeah. legitimately. But anyway, Absolutely. a lot of studios passed on it. It was sitting on the shelf. Angel p- picked it up, uh, just got released. And man, 16 and a half or around $14.5 million budget. Mm. It's slowly approaching $200 million. That's wild. And that's just domestic. It's about right. to get released uh, worldwide now, mm. or on more of an international market. And that hype will feed it. Exactly, because it's doing so well. So let's get into it right away, Vin. It's a, two, a little over two hours, I believe. Uh, two hours and 11 minutes, so it's longer than I thought. Mm. But let's get into it right away. Sound of Freedom, how did you like it? Well, Sound of Freedom, uh, folks, it is officially too big to ignore. <laughs> and I have to be honest, a, a lot of the context around this film has killed a lot of enthusiasm I had in talking. Talking about it, um, but we covered the the Bible thumping nefarious earlier this year, and boy, is this movie a lot bigger than nefarious. So I think Big my time. hands are tied. Uh, you know, I got to talk about it, uh, folks. I don't really want to focus on the outside context here. There is a lot of conversation around a QAnon angle. There's a, a a lot of history to the main real life protagonist of Tim Ballard, uh, and certainly probably opinions uh, from support. According to damning him in a range of things. For those morbidly curious, my f- theater was legitimately packed, not a phantom theater or whatever people are saying. Which we were weeks after. Right. I forget how many weeks it's been out, but that surprised me. Yeah. I mean, I, granted, uh, I, you know, I was out in more of a kind of a country country town. Okay. You know, this was on a, uh, a Friday night. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. It was on a Saturday night seeing it. So Makes a little bit more sense. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it was legitimately packed when all I've heard about this film are these phantom theaters, you know, all the tickets are bought and then no one shows up for it so uh, take that for what it's worth so when uh, i saw it last night at 10 o'clock <laughs> me and one guy that's the phantom theater and the funny thing with the phantom theater there was I, I was going to there was one seat in the middle that was taken and there was five in a row 
at the back on the back corner. Oh, I was like, what group of five people are coming to see this yeah. at ten o'clock on a Monday? It was only one guy. I don't know. If that's <laughs> that's a make out. Is that like important support of the movie? Like did this one guy buy five tickets? Like I, right, right. I don't know what to do with it. I was just, just knew it was me and this guy hanging out. I was just trying to make not crunch my popcorn too loud. For him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so conscientious. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, but, okay, uh, and I'll just butcher that. Yeah, 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 we won't <clears throat> talk too much on it. Uh, I'll just put down, my, like I said, I obviously I sure, saw it. Sure. Um, I'll put down my thing about it has to do the main guy Tim Ballard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After this, what story is told because mm-hmm. it's inspired by true events. Um, he went and founded a foundation. It's one. It's I really like the foundation. I knew about it for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the few things I've ever donated to for on a monthly basis for a few years. Oh, really? Okay. And I don't really like to throw my money away. So sure. I felt like I've done my due diligence mm-hmm. on that specific aspect sure, of it. Sure, sure. And quite like it. And I'm in support of that. Sure. Everything else about Cavuto, not Cavuto, whatever, whatever is the, the main uh, guy's name. Uh, <laughs> Cavizel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't need to touch on it. Let's look at it as a film. As exactly. And, and that's where I need to stress, folks. I mean, this movie is dying to be alongside real Hollywood movies, so I'm going to do what I do best, judge the movie on its own. I'm a strong believer that art is separate from artists, Tom, you can put that on my gravestone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really mean it. As, you know, movie qua movie. Well, that that's going to be our merch. You know, let's yeah. let's look at the movie as the movie. And it's a good idea because I would have to say when you watch the film, it is just kind of a movie, right? Right. Like it's not really preachy. Yeah. I, we're talking if anything, about a little low budget, budget, but it's just a movie. It's not it, nefarious. Was much more preachy. Yeah. With its message. And that's the only thing that annoyed with me a little bit, just mm-hmm. knowing that guy, the Tim Tim Ballard guy, yeah. and knowing the company that was started afterwards. Sure, sure. Then, and I kind of like it. I'm just thinking like all right i mean we're talking about child sex trafficking mm-hmm. and tra- sex slavery children mm-hmm. like, and i'm just like okay we can all kind of get on board and not like this together <laughs> right, you know what i mean right there's yeah. really no controversy here i know <laughs> I, I think so much has been brought in with these uh with the reaction largely from audiences i don't think that really the studio is pushing this message but that hollywood doesn't want to see i want you to see this you know hollywood doesn't want this to succeed uh and uh, again i think the best thing i can do is judge it as a movie alongside of all you know kids I movies this week western you know what i mean yeah so, absolutely and 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 what do you know in, in not wanting to talk about it, we're talking about it pretty in depth. But um, this does allow me to reveal some production details, which I think will get everyone on the same page on the quality of the film itself. Folks, if you see this in theaters, you will undoubtedly be bombarded with splash art for Angel Studios. Uh, this is a direct-to-video studio, which in the year 2023 floods the corners of streaming services like Voodoo with low-quality movies that they can pump out cheap and, 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 and pump out. So if direct-to-video doesn't kind of put this in context for you, undeniably you can tell by the trailers that ran before this, which largely were all by the same director and on the same release schedule. Yeah, no, very so, tr- yeah, 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 I noticed yeah. that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, jokes aside, I mean, this is a heavy, heavy movie. Uh, I'll, I'll say a trigger warning in just the sense that, you know, you know, our podcast is played in, in all types of environments and audio environments, so uh, it, it's some heavy stuff here. In Sound of Freedom, we follow Tim Ballard, who works for a special unit in Homeland Security. Uh, Their objective is one thing, uh, working to capture pedophiles and bus sex trafficking groups. Their work is important and leads to the realization that it may not be solving the real crime. Ballard takes steps towards fighting the source of the trafficking and is pulled deeper and deeper into the hellish reality that affects countless children. And, And that's what I mean. It's, I mean, not only is it sex trafficking, 
it's kids as well. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's pretty Focused heavy stuff. That, yeah. yeah. Uh, I found this to be a brutal movie in its tone that sells the misery and, and the nightmare that these children face. For me, calling a movie brutal means it dances on the line of going too far. Uh, I think this can be contextual, for instance, with audiences like we discussed a few weeks ago with The Wild Bunch just not caring for the brutality of it. Right, right. Uh, but I also think it can be stylistic. A perfect example being Denis Villeneuve's 2013 masterpiece, mm. Prisoners, which can kind of just be a little rough to watch if you're not ready for it. I thought, I didn't think, think you were going to say Prisoners. I thought you were going to say his non-English film in 2010. Oh, in Yeah, uh, Same thing. I, yeah. mean, I guess Villeneuve is, <laughs> is, is good in that way. But, you know, don't get me wrong. I engaged with this film for its gravity. You knew, I, yeah, you knew about what you were walking into. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. And I, I think I think it achieves that gravity of the story well. I, I, I think the kids' stuff is an extremely heavy subject matter and, and largely does a taste job at presenting it but I just feel like sometimes it stays in that a little bit too much and when it tries to kind of poke its way out either yeah. by having a little fun having a little action having a little empowerment of our heroes yeah. if you will it almost ruins that tasteful approach to it if you will do you, do you feel I, me there I completely agree okay I, I completely agreed I was thinking almost the film seemed muted mm-hmm. or it was meandering in a constant constant feeling mm-hmm. so our lows were low but our highs weren't too high but the right. lows could have went lower like this is still PG-13 sure like it sure. could have went dark right right so I felt like totally to your point where you, it was trying to poke out mm-hmm. and there were scenes where maybe you could have had a little bit more a uh, little bit more thriller aspect yeah a little bit more faster moving things like that like that mm-hmm. i felt that fell short a little bit and then when you were let up or they were giving you a chance to have brevity yeah it w- would have been nice to have more of it they could have gave mm-hmm. fish it out a little bit better to us yeah and, and because of this hyper serious tone i think it just falls flat because we're only moments away either before the scene or after the scene right. being reminded of this very grim reality which hey i mean not that the film is all about its agenda but telling the real life story of these children being, uh, you know, uh, a part of this terrible thing. Right. I, I think it should have that serious tone. I, I you know. It, oh, I, yeah, no, for sure. You know, it, it's just it's just that it's such a commitment to the hyper serious that um, it kind of shoots itself in the foot. Um, oh, go yeah, ahead. yeah, I was just going to say there was two movies that I had in mind with I wish it could have like played with a little bit more mm-hmm. or done as good of a job as them. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you'll think about <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, but one was maybe Blow. Okay. Uh, Blow goes through a big roller coaster of of, of intense feelings yep. and backstabbing and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. that man, that movie can move. Yeah. And then the music kicks on and you're flowing. It's got a flow to it. Sure. You can take now. That's dealing with drugs. This is dealing with you know child sex right. trafficking, heavier. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they, they were trying to have moments of brevity. Yeah, and that's where I wish it had that speed that that where that blow could do. Yes. Um. And, and then another film. Was this was like a muted kept on saying this is a mm. muted these film scenes are muted not hitting as much as they could be mm-hmm. whether brevity or super serious sure so then I was thinking of just like all right just give me a rated R Sicario but right. instead of drugs give me sex trafficking right again. exactly and so it wasn't it just the peaks and troughs mm-hmm. were not as high as low as I, th- and I thought they should be sure That's sure right. you mean by muted the entire time yeah. and I wish those films that hit so much mm-hmm. uh, whether you feel good watching Blow or you feel just like really intense and focusing so much on what's going on in Sicario right. this couldn't hit either I think so and, and I think probably both of our takeaways is that Villeneuve should have directed this <laughs> 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 because uh, I feel like the serious tone could have really been driven home with yeah. it personally I thought a lot of it had to do with director too I mm. think definitely another guy behind the camera yeah. could have been 
and even asking studio the actors to do a little bit more. Yeah, but again, Angel had nothing to do with it before, so I was just like, oh, okay, you know okay. what I mean? It was so, so much of this was um, uh, crowdfunded and stuff. Oh, okay, and that's up to so, five years ago. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think I think it's 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 best shown in when Ballard is giving the occasional badass moments uh, of the story. Um, to me, it felt a little bit like Steven Seagal vibes in like a direct to video type of thing. <laughs> where it's just like, yeah, it's really harsh, and then it's just like, oh, he's having fun with it. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I just feel like they feel incredibly out of place because, again, almost every scene is bookended with really driving home the reality of every day that slips by, the victims uh, slip out of Ballard's hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like if there's anything that's that's good about the story as well, uh, in not even his heroics, but his drive, uh, I think it's that it really never loses the fact that he's 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 driven on focus to, to find these kids. So I think where the studio head uh, or the studio note uh, rears its uh, ugly direct-to-video head is in some of the betrayal of it. Uh, Ballard is played by Jesus himself, G- Jim Caviezel, uh, who was in Passion of the Christ. Right. <laughs> and is in the new one that's coming out. Right, right. So, uh, you know, boy, if that's not a vanity movie, uh, <laughs> I don't is, know what is. <laughs> yeah, does he play Jesus in The Chosen, too? That Angel uh, Studio show about Jesus? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure either. Yeah. He, but, yeah but he's in He's in it. <laughs> he's in it, yeah. right. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm not I'm not going to say that Ballard had a huge control in who's, who he casts, you know. He to, said he... No, he said he wanted. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're right. very yeah they're very faith based people. Right, and right. that's why he was like, I want Jim Caviezel. Right, that's what everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that that played into the ego a bit. But um, overall, I mean, just with these studio notes and while I introduced it in that way, is that it just feels like a TV movie in a lot of ways. I I, w- I walked away and saying like this is like a really hardcore Lifetime movie, like compared to Coda. Mm, a much yeah right exactly a similar type of quality but kind of comes out with like a very i don't know coda maybe is throwing me a bit (laughs) (laughs) well you had the same vibe like that was a disney channel type film yes yes i feel like this movie was a reason why i say lifetime is like at times this movie feels like it's trying to specifically scare you with the reality which is fine right right but in combination with the quality of the production makes it feel like you know it's trying to scare your mom specifically into (laughs) sex trafficking you know that's this lifetime vibe you know i got no problem with it telling this you know this true story aspect or or again just even just even if you you uh, go away from the true story aspect just the highlighting again a a horrific crime that we can all get behind right it's still just where the production creeped into it is 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 rough so So. i'll disagree a little bit so i felt it a little bit better than tv movie okay and i was i was slightly impressed it was 14 and a half million so i was slightly impressed with how actually good it looked sure and i thought the cinematography was better than maybe it, it had any right being. Sure. So that I liked. Low budget still. Yeah. Like to me, it looked like a $30 million film. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's still low budget. Yeah. But I think with 14 and a half, uh, I thought they did a pretty good job with it personally. Yeah. I felt uh, it was too long, but. Uh, I'm with you. I'm see, see, now now you you feel what I feel. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, length it's, is like I'm hyper aware to it. Yeah. It's two hours and, and 11. Man, it should be like an hour and 50. Sure. Because I think at that point, then that, fl- I don't know why it's funny with Sicario blow going through my mind maybe yeah. it's just it's just like i'm 100 with you with sicario right it's also like a it's, you're going down to the border something yes. that's like you're crossing the borders yep, and stuff yep. like that cartel 
But it's just a fact of you could have got that motion. You could have got that flow down. Mm. Um, but uh, that's just me. I think part of it's Caviezel as well. His voice, it's like, <laughs> it doesn't punch. He he looked cool. Like, right. I, like, he, I thought he looked good. Sure. And some of it hit, but he has this very softer voice. Yeah. Like there's a scene where he's outside on a phone mm-hmm. and it's his voice is way louder and booming. And I'm just like, where's that guy? Sure. That, that guy should be the one in these scenes because mm. it punches more. Absolutely. But Absolutely. Um, anyway, yeah. And, and, and I'll kind of end on performances. Uh, uh, as um, uh, there has potential here, but largely I think it's a miss. One thing I do want to praise is that, though I said it was kind of a semi-Steven Seagal vibes to it, (laughs) it really isn't an action movie. This is nothing like Taken. This is nothing like Black Phone, where they're trying to, um, you know, blockbusterify the, the actual crime of trafficking. Right. So the fact that we don't really see Ballard as a character pick up a gun and kill everyone in a room or whatnot. I don't know. I kind of want to give praise to that. I feel like that yeah. in combination with the serious tone has is, is deserving of some merit uh, that it could have so easily been, let's kill these, you know, these motherfuckers, you know, let's, let's get right, back. Right. And it really isn't about that. It never loses sight about the kids and, and that, but. And it's based, I think they tried to get it pretty much based on that, on that, the story that actually happened. Sure. Sure. Cause there was a, there was a documentary made that covered the same exact thing. Oh, actually. really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe, maybe so, you know, an alternative to checking it out. Right. But, <laughs> but I, I think where it all falls flat is in emotional performances. And I, I, I unfortunately, I really mean this, unfortunately, because I think there are qualities to this film that are, are halfway decent. Mm-hmm. It, it killed it for me. Uh, mind-blowingly, no one really cries in this. And I, when I say cry, I mean like really cry. Right, right. Uh, and let me tell you, it's a movie where people need to cry. <laughs> I mean, like a lot. <laughs> Like, kids need to cry, adults need to cry, everyone needs to cry. You know, and, and like I said a moment ago, it, it's nothing like, you know, a glorification or an actionified uh, taken, or it's not using it for like a cheesy horror t- tie in, like Black Phone from last year. Mm-hmm. You know, the reality these children face is sold as a scar they will never heal from, and not one actor, kid or otherwise, has a single good emotional scene to sell that. Yeah. You know? I totally agree with that. Yeah. I think Caviezel does a good job at sad. Sure. When he gets the sads, because he's also like tough guy, yeah. kind of an agent. He, yeah, he doesn't so want to cry. He does some but... tears and everything like that. So yeah. I thought his sadness, but I, I, he was so melatonin mm. where he can't get out of that vibe yeah. a little bit. Absolutely. So then I feel like even his acting could have just been a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I just, I don't know. I mean, uh, not saying that I couldn't grasp. I mean, per our, our discussion points yeah. here. I grasp the reality and the message the film is trying to tell, but I feel like it's really shot in the foot by just you know, poor under budget performances. And again, where the ugly head of this direct to video style, if even if it, in mm-hmm. not the production of the film itself, yeah. it, it rears its head. I could not get out of my mind. I was just saying, ah, it's a, it's, this is a B movie. It's this funny. Is a B or C movie. It's, yeah. And most of the actors are B as yeah. well. But it's funny, even to your point of just like, you didn't get the big cry moments or anything like that. There's some good positive moments or reunification mm, moments. And mm-hmm. I don't think, it's, where are the the tears of joy right exactly right. where is the hysterics you know yeah exactly um and i get it it's hard to direct kids it's why i don't like kid actors uh, i don't think the kids were terrible they, they weren't terrible but i i feel like uh muted yeah muted and and there was no adult performances to make up for it i needed one of these guys that he coordinates with the good guys if yeah you will, like there really was like ball. three main guys caviezel right. then two others yeah, yeah. 
I, I needed them to really ball and, and, and just sell it a little bit here. So other than that, you know, instead, you know, we get a two hour plus of poor under budget acting and it really in no way distinguishes itself from the quality of any other schlock that the studio puts out. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go ahead and give Sound of Freedom a 37. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I think the I think the the acting just killed it for me, and the acting is what needed to sell the message. Otherwise, it's not a it's not a you know poorly functioning film. It's a little under budget, but uh, I, I think the acting is where I would say I don't know. Maybe watch the documentary instead. Okay. Honestly. Uh, and I think like there's some real shots that are mm. shown in the film. I think part of that is taken from the documentary. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah at the end, they have like a reel. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, okay. So basically, I'll just kind of reiterate some of the stuff I already said. Sure, thought sure. it was too long. Thought mm. it could have been a much better film if it was uh, shaved twenty minutes off. Yeah, uh, I di- I wasn't so upset about the acting. Okay, I, I, I didn't hate it. You didn't. It didn't kill it for no, you. No, I just wanted more highs and lows. Sure, sure. That's all. I just wanted a bigger range right. from our actors, so that we didn't get. And even brevity wasn't hitting when it sh- should have. Yada yada. Mm-hmm. Even our last kind of mission, trying to get just trying to get somebody. Mm. That climax could have been a little bit better. Sure, I understand they're trying to tell it in a true way or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. It could have been shot a little bit better. Mm. I didn't hate it though, honestly. Sure. I thought it, so. I I think. Do I get a Tommy Two Shoes? <laughs> I, I, I do have a Tommy Two Shoes for this. Yeah. I did. I did have it for me. This gets two shoes. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I kind of like, and maybe it's also because again, I knew the story a little bit more, like mm-hmm. for years now. Mm-hmm. So. I thought the telling of it was just a little blah, but sure. it still did a good job of doing what it's trying to do. Absolutely. So it gets a lower two shoes, <laughs> right. but it's better. The in, soul is worn down. I a liked it better. Bit. Shockingly, I liked it better watching it than Rango. To be honest with you, I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow, that's kind of surprising. Unbelievable. But I give it two. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give it two shoes. Sure, sure. And and like I said, I think there is merit in some of that boring aspect of not being a a you know, bombastic action movie. It has kind of a, that serious tone, maybe those more boring tones. It's it's in service of the message it's trying to yeah, send. Yeah, just softer and kind of meh, a little bit meh. Yeah. But a low two, for me, low two shoes. Yeah, crime I'm- investigation, certainly, uh, but uh, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So third. <laughs> I like that we're uh, we're backwards on this. We are a little. Yeah. I think that's good. I think that's good. <laughs> and, and especially because I, I really didn't expect to be on opposite sides of fences on Rango. But, I thought uh, I was surprised with that a little bit. Yeah, I was a little like I'm Woody now. Now uh, I saw Rango. Reach for the sky. <laughs> <laughs> now I saw Rango before as well. Oh, okay. And uh, I thought it was like well, that was years ago. Sure, sure. And I was just like, man, this. And I watched it again, and I was like, no, let's let's go mm-hmm. into it. Mm-hmm. You know, fresh eyes. This is the daily ratings <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs> Came out feeling the same way. But, uh, all right, 37 for Sound of Freedom. Very good, Vin. And the funny thing, we didn't talk about it once for the past, like, five weeks. <laughs> yeah. You know what I real, mean? For real. Uh, okay, so we're going to keep on moving. Again, I was a little bit not too even aware of mm. Smaller Time. It technically came out, it was released at a festival yep. last year. I think in October. So technically, like it's got a 2022 attached to it, yep. but it was actually had proper release just now. Sure. So this film is called Talk to Me, directed by two brothers, Danny and Michael Filippo. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can get into it because it's more your genre and everything like yep. that. Yeah. So let's get into it. Talk to Me. How'd you like it? Well, uh, I'll say this much. When I first saw the trailer for this, folks, I was disappointed by such a bland-looking horror being released by A24. Uh, to me, initially, it felt like a countless 
Ouija board stories where a game invites evil ghosts, basically. But I'm very happy to say I was wrong because Talk to Me is right alongside of Evil Dead Rise being some of a some some of the great standout horrors in a year jam packed with horrors. Wow! Uh, I think this is alongside Evil Dead uh, Rise that is uh, is really going to be uh, in in some of my top horror of the year. Um, really? This is, yeah, absolutely. Again, and I believe I thought this was going to be a throwaway for this week. Was know? it getting hype in like cult circles? Not really. I mean, it, to the point that A24 picked it up later and did this release. Sure. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, what's interesting is that this is the first feature film from the Australian duo, the Filippo Brothers. Um, but before this, though, they created a sizable YouTube channel. I'm talking 60 million plus subs oh, wow. of making content really? for the internet. So they're YouTubers turned directors. That's very much uh, like Skinnamarink guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Good call. And I think um, I was expecting there to be more hype with this because guess what? That's their, just their national base. And right, they also, right. I believe, I, I'm not you know not on Australian YouTube, but <laughs> not down down on. <laughs> we got to get in those circles, <laughs> right? Right. But apparently, they made even horror content within you know like a, a scary story time type of videos, if you will. So, uh, but uh, I'll tell you what, uh, against all expectations, even to the point of like first thirty minutes, I was kind of hating on this film. It turned it around. Really, I think this was a great horror movie. Uh, oh, this, this is very really good. This is very exciting. Yeah, last year a twenty four thrilled me with bodies, 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 and I would be mm. I would be happy to say that this film is has an equivalent youthful energy and breaks far from that generic sounding premise. Talk to me refers to the phrase that is spoken when playing with an evil hand that is being paraded around an Australian high school, and I really mean paraded. It's like a thing brought to parties. It's like a case of beer that's brought to parties. It's 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 a little weird and out there. Viral videos, wild parties, and most of all, word of mouth has given this petrified hand quite a reputation around the high school. Once you grab the hand, you are paired with a ghost from the afterlife and invite them into our world briefly. Now, at this point in the setup, it still sounds pretty bland. And this is where I was even still kind of hating on the film with it. Mm -hmm. But a wrinkle is added to the story that makes all the difference. Um, in all these horror movies, I'm always questioning the logic. My, I can't turn off my, my brain and say, why the hell would they continue screwing around with the ghosts? And I feel like that believability is what turns a lot of people off on horror. Like, why would you walk down the, right, exactly. the scary hallway? Just you that know? dumb stuff that you can't get over. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, here, uh, the wrinkle that is happening added to it is is very smart and plays to again this kind of youthful energy around high school it happens when you play the game it gives you an unbeatable high that is better than anything these high school kids can get their hands on and I think in that the film captures a true to life aspect that kids will do anything if they're bored enough and I just love how the rush of using this crazy voodoo hand was similar to how high school will do the dumbest shit to get high you know I mean it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's generational. You always hear about some craze uh, that high schoolers are doing that aren't necessarily sure, drugs yeah. or getting high. This captured that. That's and cool. I was like, wow, all right, that's that's taking it up a notch and answers our question. Why are they messing right. around? Right? Why are with they this even doing hand? this? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like you touch it the first time and you're seeing ghosts. So it's already confirming ghosts <laughs> in the world. Why would you mess with it further? This uh, this euphoria, this high that they get off of it, I thought was very smart for doing that, and shows a lot of youthful energy in our directors as okay. well. Okay. So in the writing of this. 
We follow Mia, played by Sophie Wilde, uh, who is processing a recent family death and takes a liking to the game a little bit too much. Um, add in some themes of peer pressure and grief, and you get a seriously thoughtful horror movie. This is much more insightful about the spiritual side that they interact with than I expected, and again, that unfolds as you're watching the movie. This is, for instance, so much better than something like Insidious and how it handles the spirit realm and what evil lurk lurks there. Specifically, where the horror is dialed up, I just feel like it was so natural from going from something curious, something obviously giving them their this, this quick fix of, of a high, and then they're already too deep into it, which I'm sure has, you know, clear parallels to drug abuse and, mm. uh, and how, you know, anyone young can kind of fall into a bad streak. I have to say, though, this is a solid performance from Sophie Wilde. She hasn't been in much, but her acting here was great. She has just, just I, I, I want to say just great visuals. I'm not saying, I mean, she's, she's attractive, but just great horror visuals. It reminded me, and this might be a little bit out there, it just reminds me of uh, Shelley Duvall uh, in The Shining, okay. where... You know, Shelley Duvall in The Shining looks like pathetic, but plays to such a great like horror character to be a victim. In a similar way, Sophie Wilde here, you can she really sells that she might be into you know trying out a, a you know a drug like this or or getting 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 into a bad spot with it. And I I feel like it was a great horror protagonist for how much she was able to bake into performance and just looks wise. It looks like, well, yeah, she might end up on, on the wrong side of something. Right, right, in okay. High school. She was totally selling it then. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Empathetic uh, as a character, but also a little wired, a little crazy, uh, which I, again, it creates an unhinged element. Several scenes I would almost call iconic because of how striking her character looks. Um, the most notable being a shot that is going around that she's leaning over the side of a chair in yeah. this yellow jacket and man uh how that you know i mean it's pretty bold to say iconic for a movie that just dropped but i really do think there there there's something special here to it um i really am excited to see where she can go in acting performances and hopefully more horror because i think it's a perfect match so. that's good i think i mean that's when movies like this pop, it's it's awesome mm -hmm. because hopefully it can shine a light on it if this is going to do that well. Right. I mean, it's only in so many theaters and everything like sure. that, but it it's is. Get it, it seems like it's getting some good recognition though. Yeah, and good ratings and critically reviewed and stuff, Absolutely. which is nice. And it boils down to I like supporting first time filmmakers yeah. unless you know uh, two normal brothers started a YouTube career and now is able How to cool live is out that their too? dreams. Yeah. yeah, they crowdfund some stuff. I mean, yeah. talk about low budget. This is four and a half million, <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah, I think I think if you have low budget horror is the genre yep. to do I think it's just natural for sure yeah. I think that's probably the lesson for 2023 yeah. that studios are trying to pump them some things out but I definitely want to take a note again on the YouTube aspect mm. like that the um, the Skinnamarick guy yeah. I forget the name who did it I forget but too. he had a YouTube channel yep. and his what his YouTube channel was well he started making videos short short videos mm -hmm. of nightmares he would have and mm. then his fans would write in about nightmares they had sure. and then he would just turn them into stuff he, and great. then all of a sudden he can make a picture like Skinnamarick and for these guys to build up a 60 million subscriber base? Uh, six million. Oh, six but still, oh, six million. Six, yeah. Six, yeah. Absolutely. <sighs> we dream of those numbers. 
Yeah, boy, do we. But to have that $6 million and then you could pull some money in crowdfund and stuff. Absolutely. And then make a picture like this, which is wowing you a bit. Yeah. That, that's electric. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I, that, that's where I like covering this type of stuff. Uh, and, and I always want to give first-time directors a shot. Sometimes that's bit me. This Even this year, that's bit me yeah. uh, on some films. But, um, but I, I really, really think there was something special here. And it worked on a lot of levels. Um, there's much more that I would like to talk about with this film. But... I, I, I really want to let it speak on its own. Yeah. And, and specifically, I have a lot of thoughts on how scares are delivered and how our expectations are twisted, but I don't want to r- rob a great first watch experience. I thought this was really, really solid. I mean, it, it, someone may see this alongside a Mithrigan or, mm. uh, or a Smile or something like that and see it as something similar. Or even from my perspective, see it as like this washed out Ouija board style horror. You know, they play with a toy and then it invites in ghosts. Believe me, uh, it is not, it, it breaks the expectations. Wow. Uh, it breaks all expectations wow, okay. like that. Uh, this completely took what on the surface looked to be a generic and washed out premise and was able to surprise me. Horror fans, I would say, make a priority watch for this this year. And give a shot, folks, even if you might be a little scared of what talks back in the dark. We're going to go ahead and give Talk to Me a 74. 74, a great score. It's By the way, it's an hour and 35, which <laughs> right. is probably exactly where it should be. Right. Uh, 74 is a very good score. Okay. Well, uh, we're excited to see more from these guys. Then. Absolutely, because the whole casting is pretty small. You know, the one person in the cast, though, right? <laughs> yeah, Miranda Otto, Aowen from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, she's the mom. It's like, where is she coming from? Well, I in, know. This, in, in this, this. <laughs> okay. you hear about an Australian production, all the Aussies come out basically. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, though. So, if into the horror genre, folks, don't sleep on it, especially with all absolutely. this stuff, like you said, coming out this year. Absolutely, I, I would almost for the year in wrap up like to do. Just a, a breakdown of horror to stay away from in 2023 and horror to, to pay attention well, to through all the noise. I mean, you know? honestly, you have five films and then don't watch any others. That's <laughs> yeah, what it comes down to. Basically. I mean, so far, we, ha- and we have some good ones. We yeah. have this. You loved. I gave a 79 to... Um, Evil Dead Rise. Evil Dead Rise. Yep. Uh, Infinity Pool, too. Oh, yeah, Which true. was kind of a weird one as well. Right. I almost even forget about Infinity Pool a little bit. But yeah, yeah absolutely. Horrific. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, Ben, so let's keep things moving. This is our last film on the list. This is, I don't know, I would say the big blockbuster for the, for the it's weekend. It's the newest, at least. Well, this in Meg, though. This Meg um, beat it by two million, but you know what I mean? So true. Barbie's still killing it. But anyway, <laughs> this is the new, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Let's get into it right away. How'd you like it, Ben? Well, Mutant Mayhem is uh, is trying to do a similar flip as Spider-Verse uh, and be very interesting in its art style. And if my review of Rango is to, to show anything, I'm a sucker for interesting animation and animation that clearly has passion behind it. Uh, this one is written by Donkey Kong, uh, I mean Seth Rogen, <laughs> uh, in his first feature since uh, 2016 Sausage Party. Uh, and alongside Rango is another Nickelodeon film for the website and podcast, which, uh, not that it does anything for the review, scratches an itch for me. I That's like, cool. I like covering bases, yeah. you know. In Mutant Mayhem, we get yet another introduction to the Turtles for the kids that might not be familiar with their origins. Master Splinter, the Four Brothers, uh, and, and all the works. Dying to get out of the sewers and into the real world, the Four Turtles become crime fighters. Unexpectedly, these string of crimes are... Being puppeted by a mutant gang, uh, led by a giant mutant bug called Superfly, uh, played by Ice Cube, honestly doing an amazing job, believe it or not. I'm not really a fan of Ice Cube. No, we're not really, no. Yeah, but... In the context of films, definitely not. Right, and in the context of a giant mutant fly with, like, a jerry curl, like, (laughs) he's killing it. Like, oh, yeah. It was great. It was great. (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> as the only other mutants they've met, um, the Turtles get kind of tangled up in this scheme until realizing they have to stand their ground and stick up for what Master Splinter taught them so many years ago. I think a, a big highlight here is that this has an all-kid voice actor cast for the Turtles and largely works in a Stranger Things Season 1 way or even like the new It movies. I feel like banter, even just scripted lines that could be cringy in any other scenario, maybe even specifically adults voicing them, mm. it comes off more authentic, it comes off more genuine and I think works because of it. Um, the bonding moments between the boys is undoubtedly where the writing works best. So many lines would be cringy if said by an adult, but 100% work here coming out of real kid voices. Apparently, the acting process was Rogan putting these four boys in a room together. That's huge. And just having them riff yeah. a little bit and having them improv. And does it make the best script? No, but uh, it, it feels real. And it feels real in a way a kid's movie needs to be to grab that kid attention. It's super important. So many times you're just left in a booth alone yeah and then you say your line 50 different times and then give you another line say that 50 yeah. times and then you do that you know for whatever they have you come back for 12 different days <laughs> yeah exactly but exactly. when you're dealing with kids i'm so you're so spot on yeah it's so cool that it's just some kids that they put on here right as right. they could sell it vocally that's cool absolutely and, and, and luckily it's not too serious or uh too demanding that uh we see the cracks or anything like that like right. some of the michael bay ones try to be uh flashing back yeah, to and having them put in a room together where they could just riff learn each other get comfortable yeah. so then when the lines come they can have that back and forth that's the way to do it absolutely i remember elijah wood said he loved that during like like in happy feet no oh, yeah. as much of a joke happy <laughs> happy fight feet might be they all had him in a room together for a lot of the for a lot of the stuff yeah something i wish like story did which they never did oh for sure you know for what i mean sure. Absolutely. Um, so i think that's super smart especially when dealing with like children actors like they, they're yeah. all under 15 they look and ensemble type of scenes you know these four boys even over, over talking each other right. as the as the as the turtles so you know i think it's it sells good scenes you know even if um maybe an adult seeing this might not like how riffy or improv it sounds sometimes but and it's the little things too uh for this kid aspect um you know the love of master splinter as their dad they don't call mm. him master once they call him dad and uh, uh who by the way is voiced by jackie chan yeah, which yeah. uh you know i, I don't know it, it just sold a kid element so well so i think where that writing doesn't work is in a lot of deadpool style pop culture jokes that are just a bit too frequent and go on a little bit too long i, I think folks if you're not hooked on this kid voice acting element these cringy elements were are going to be a lot worse for you so you know viewer beware a lot of this apparently came from these riffing and improv sessions that the kids were actually just talking about what made sense to them. Mm -hmm. uh, nonetheless, it could be a big miss if you're not hooked on that first beat, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. Uh, this movie adds some necessary city grit to the New York City setting. Uh, hearing the turtles jokingly say, you're and we outside was <laughs> honestly amazing. I, I loved it. I was, I was laughing out loud with that. Best of all, this comes with a phenomenal soundtrack of eclectic hip-hop choices. I'm really not sure who curated the licensed songs, but composing this one is the legendary composer duo of Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, ah. uh, which the score here is killer, especially for the villain tracks. We get some really cool... Again, I don't want to overcompare to Spider-Verse, but Spider-Verse sounding uh, out there type of score. That's a big it. name. Trent Reznor, folks, if you're not aware, he did some of the uh, Dragon Tattoos. He mm -hmm. did Social Network, Gone Girl. Yep. Like, he's a, he's a big man. And, of course, comes from Nine Inch Nails fame. So, uh, 
<laughs> I mean, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just know him from the movies. I've been doing the podcast long enough. <laughs> yeah, Tom, I never expected to be a Nine Inch Nails fan. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Reznor has earned, uh, and, and his partner Ross, yeah. uh, have has earned yeah, a legendary true. status. Uh, pretty much after Social Network, honestly, I think is where they cemented as um, you know a dynamite duo uh, among the wonderful, uh, wide-versed uh, talent in the composer space. So in a kid movie with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, do they have a vibe about them? Like, for instance, Hans Zimmer, you can almost, like, whether you know it, he did it or not, it's like, I think Hans Zimmer did this. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Uh, Howard Shore loves his horns and stuff. Right, right. Do they have a go-to yet? Whether it's synth or new age or... Tough to say. Okay. I think I think it's definitely electronic elements to it, but that's also everyone nowadays. Okay. Um, but just knowing knowing Reznor's background with Nine Inch Nails, I think industrial elements would probably be the, uh, the trademark, if okay, you will. Okay, cool. And those industrial elements show in these cool brooding villain tracks that just sound great wow. uh, it's really a great score in addition to a, a pretty dynamite licensed soundtrack okay. which uh, is not your you know uh, it, it's it's just not like New York State of Mind or something like that it's really like <laughs> <laughs> it's really like some eclectic hip hop you know, there's Tribe Called Quest in there you know it's, it's, it's a vibe of a lot of things so cool so I, I'm not sure who did that curation of the licensed soundtrack, but it was it was it was a good mark for me. Uh, without a doubt, though, this movie is probably a watch and on a lot of people's radar because of this amazing art style. Uh, a lot of internet chatter has been comparing this to Spider Verse, and even to my. Uh, my best my best attempt not to mention Spider-Verse, but I really personally don't think that's a good description here. Um, yes, both use cell shaving, shading to uh, give a drawn look to the 3D animation, but it's a much different visual style here than Spider-Verse, and definitely a different visual style than the most recent Spider-Verse, which just has, you know... It's bonkers. Yeah, it's on a whole different level. Yeah. Uh, I really loved it. It's like a sketchy doodle sky style uh, with pencil stroke artifacts hovering around every drawing. Explosions, for instance, are just kind of a messy, fun, like, scribble. Okay, that's uh, cool. Which I liked, yeah. Characters, uh, as far as their shapes, uh, there are... They look like they're straight out of Hey Arnold or something. I don't think there's a single head that is the same shape as anything. And that's where I was like, oh, wow. I mean, maybe Nickelodeon is is putting some Nickelodeon-ness into this. But it uh, felt it felt like good, expensive movie, yes. right? It didn't feel like cheap show. No, okay. no. Uh, and that good, expensive movie is shown in lighting effects, mm. in design, and uh, though this sketchy style may look lower quality it's also purposeful because yeah, with purpose. donatello sketches and and we we see drawings they're kids you know mm-hmm. so that that's where it's a stylistic choice and intentional for that reason okay so and, and above all i think it looks great if this is what we have to expect for future nickelodeon properties ripping off spider-verse for inspiration or not it has my attention i think this was a snappy hour and 40 minutes offers a lot of fun action and while it might not reach the heights of spider-verse is still well worth your time we're gonna go ahead and give teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem a 70 on the dot wow 70 solid i love this this is not a bad week yeah no it really uh, wasn't two, maybe two yeah. snickers in there <laughs> brandos on the burner. uh i'll tell you what with this film there wasn't so much buzz behind this right you know what i mean i mean when you look at the, if super mario had a lot of buzz after mm-hmm. but there was even more talk about that beforehand sure i hope i hope if it's this good yeah it gets a little love in the theaters sure sure seeing as a haunt man- mansion is like nowhere to be found right. uh hopefully maybe this is something i actually go take the kids to for the next few weeks yeah absolutely wow but 70 percent Okay, so 
and writing like Seth Rogen's really behind this big time. He did the yes. writing and stuff. Yeah, it, almost more so than the director. Um, in, which in I don't know, maybe a little unfair. There's also a co-director on it. Yeah, and yep. you know, was the writing a little lackluster? I don't think so. I just think it, it's going to be a coin flip for if people and and more so adults specifically jive with this riffing improv okay. style of the kids. Which again, I think I think it works just because it's so genuine and sounds like real kids. You right. know what I mean? And I feel like that is even if lower quality is able to achieve something for the kid intended demographics. You know? I love that. Okay. Seventy is a great score. I love that on both Nickelodeon films, yeah. which there's not that many Nickelodeon animated features. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you were all about the animation too. Yeah. Like yeah. that's cool. Absolutely. Uh, especially with how much animation, how many different studios there are out today. So seventy percent Folks, again, if you're new kind of to the podcast, 70 is a very good – it's a pr- pretty good score. Yeah, yeah. Once when you crack the 70s, it's pretty good. You're in the – Well worth your time. Right. A solid movie. I will make a point because mm-hmm. we don't do comparisons too much, and <laughs> we try to stay away from it a bit, but like – The inevitable game of comparisons. Oh, the critics, the professionals on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. It's a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so it's a good animated film, but – right. Is it 96? Is it 96? Right. Exactly. That's actually the same with Talk to Me. I think it has like a 95. And listen, I, I, I you know, praise Talk to Me a lot. Yeah. Is it a 95? 74 is a great is score. It, right. Yeah. It's a, right. Is it, is it better than, you know, The Exorcist? You know, so, again, it's just, I just like it, Vin. Your reviews have been great. And just, you put it, you bring it back down to earth for us. Mm, thank so you. So it's, it's just very much appreciated. Uh, looking at these scores, Vin, anything we want to touch on? Roll credits? What do you want to? Uh, not to end on a somber note, but of of course, we had the passing of Pee Wee Herman and as well um, uh, Billy Freakin, which uh, two amazing talents. Uh, but uh, yeah, you were a Pee Wee Herman fan, yeah. yeah. I, I and I really wanted to cover Pee Wee's Big Adventure for it. I might get around to it. We'll see. Of course, you know, uh, two legends. Uh, go watch really anything from William Freakin. Uh, Sorcerer would be my recommendation. That's a pride. Wow. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, Sorcerer we'll, fan. We'll 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 come uh we'll come to Exorcist later in October. I couldn't believe it. It was weird. Yeah, I kind of forgot about the whole Exorcist two coming out. Yeah. Because I saw it in um well we'll I'll spend some time about it. I saw Oppenheimer on Sunday. <laughs> oh yeah, that's and right. And that's that was right. The first time I saw the trailer for Exorcist two. Yeah. And then sure enough, boom. A day later, uh, he passes away. <laughs> not not to joke about it, but he probably saw the trailer. He goes, "What are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing?" <laughs> Because <laughs> that's really his baby. He's done documentaries then uh, on, yeah. on everything. And French yeah. Connection, too. I mean, then he wrote a sure. book it's called The Freaking Connection, yeah. then kind of his autobiography, I believe. Okay, kind of. okay. Uh, but yeah, big write-up on the newsletter we had, folks. There's some great articles about him, and I kind of touched on it a little bit, but mm-hmm. just like, man, the way he got started it was, it was crazy in mm-hmm. life, and how he got into do almost by mistake, fell into a certain job that was able to propel him, yeah. uh, getting yelled at by... Uh, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock for not wearing a tie on set. Oh, wow. I mean, just crazy stuff. <laughs> wow. Apparently when he won the Oscar then for, I think it was French Connection. Okay. Uh, he walked past Alfred Hitchcock at the oh, Oscars. Wow. He goes, hey, what do you think of my tie? <laughs> or something like that. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, yeah, good note on that. Also, yeah. So uh, yeah, so. give me give me the Oppenheimer right there. I'm dying. <laughs> We're not going to give dying. a ten minute Tommy Tooth. I'm not going to give a pre. I'm not going to give go back in time and give a Tommy Tooth. Sure, sure. I'll save that for something special. Special. Uh, <laughs> I just want to say we we had some differences, different opinions on uh-huh. this episode. Oppenheimer, I think you're Oppenheimer. You were pretty much spot on, folks. If you want to, mm-hmm. if you haven't listened to last episode or two episodes ago with Oppenheimer, give it a listen. Ben, I think you hit it on pretty great. I was surprised almost it didn't tick into the eighty fives. Our must watches. <laughs> Sure, of all sure. time after watching it I totally agree well, that's great talk about another film that needs to be 20 minutes shorter <laughs> yeah it drags at the end <laughs> yeah. the climax
climatic moment naturally is the bomb. Sure. However, there's other climatic climatic moments. Is climatic the right word? Yeah. Uh, climatic. Yeah. No. Climatic. Uh, it's one of those things you can say it more and more. It's going to sound worse. Um, other but, highlights right, to his life. There, there's other, yes. But Nolan specifically is trying to make a mountain out of something mm. kind of towards the end. And I just don't think it hits that sure. much. And I think it needs to shave 20 minutes off, focus more on what's important, and drop some other aspects to it. Uh, I thought the time, it was his most tame he's been in for a while on time. Mm. Uh, even though he is playing with the plot, switching from later years to early years, later yep. years to early years, it was still very tame sure. compared to a Tenant or even a Dunkirk, honestly. Oh, right. Well, yeah. Tenant's almost a headache at that point. But, it, <laughs> but his layering of things, the acting, phenomenal. Yeah. True. I mean, you know, talking about Sound of Freedom with acting, I mean... <laughs> Grade A, plus, plus, all the way. The acting yeah. was so good for basically everybody. I would say there was two main disappointments with, with acting. Mm. I wouldn't say two disappointments, but there, I would say the two that were lackluster compared to everybody else. Okay. Uh, we can talk about that after the show, though. Okay. All right, uh, so I love your score with it. I'm not going to give it to Tommy Twos. But, but you had a good time. Had a good time. Really liked it. Just a bit too long. That's great. I That's would also great. say we were trying to watch it in full 70 millimeter IMAX, how it mm. was shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything was sold out. Three oh, weeks yeah. later, IMAX is still sold out. I put in the newsletter too. It got extended more for IMAX, wow. so p- people have plenty. No of one time. got his wish. Yeah, well, I did see it in the fake IMAX, the AMC mm-hmm. IMAX. So that sure. was still nice, good sound, big picture. Right, right. Uh, loved it. Loved your score, uh, folks. I really think you should go back to that. That's our Barbie episode as well. Mm-hmm. So great. Uh, it was a great week. Yeah. Want to touch also last week with our stop motion special? It was definitely. I said this event, folks, uh, before. <laughs> I want. I want to make it known to everyone listening. Uh, we had that in the can for a while. I uh, mean, yeah. that was like over a year in the early, early days around episode between twenty five and thirty is actually sure. when we actually did it. Yeah. Uh, I loved your review so much. Some of those, especially your um, Kubo oh, and the Two you. Strings yeah, yeah, review, yeah. really solid stuff. I the love research that, movie. that went into it. It's just I wish I was better on the mics. I wish I, <laughs> oh, I, even yeah. I mic'd this up. I, I wish I was better. But uh, boy, we're learning. And, and our specials are getting better and better. But that content, your reviews were so great. Some of those were just really, really good. Hey, thanks. And, and folks, that's why we kind of kept it in the holster too. I don't, I really don't, you know, I I, I see both sides of it, Tom, you know. I yeah. Mean, uh, it, more so, it's just that I think we've become so natural that an early review like that, it sticks out. It's not that it's necessarily bad. It's right. just, it kind of sticks out. Um, but uh, but your we, research, you literally, you took us through, for those of you who didn't listen, I highly recommend going to listen to it. The reason being is Vin takes you through basically the Hollywood history of stop motion, mm-hmm. the different milestones that were made, the important movies. We talk about other stuff that's not even on that list a little mm-hmm. bit. So uh, again, just a, the, the homework you did for that, Vin, loved it. It's really just, it was, it was driven by my love of animation and technology, really. I think it was a technology dive, a, a film technology dive yeah. on it. and um, A total study. Yeah. That's why we, we loved it so much. So, uh, But yeah, feel free to check it out, folks. I don't know. August is looking a little, little grim. I think we've got, <laughs> we got the Gran Turismo we've got movie. We've so, <laughs> got Blue Beetle. We've got some great stuff planned in the future, <laughs> folks. We're really excited about it. Can't wait uh, to give it to you. The Hundy is around the corner. Don't mm-hmm. forget. Donate a Hundy on the Hundy, folks. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. Vin, thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks for these great reviews. Folks at home, we'll run it down one more time. We have One-Eyed Jacks with a 56%, Rango with a 72%, Sound of Freedom with a 37%, Talk to Me with a 74%, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem with a 70%. Folks, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. enjoyed the podcast if you would give us a good rating or tell a friend about us 
If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, folks, but we also want to be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.